Hello and welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers discussing fantasy football, giving their takes and analysis. I am one of your hosts. My name is Derek. Again, I'm the younger brother. And we also have my older brother, Daryl, as a host. And Daryl, how you doing today, my man? I'm good, man. Another lovely football Thursday is upon us. Um, can't wait for this exciting matchup between Indy and no, I'm lying. But um, I'm still gonna watch it though. But uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 excited about this week. We got some uh, we got some good nuggets here to talk about and to look forward to. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to get into it. Absolutely, my man. Same here. Um, on today's show, we're going to recap our I Can Do That segment from last week, seeing how we did on that. We're also going to go over the wide receivers and the tight ends. Last episode, we covered the quarterbacks and running backs, looking at the top 24 at the running backs and the top 12 at quarterbacks. We're going to do the same for wide receivers. We'll be looking at the top 24 and we'll be looking at the top 12 at tight ends and then give our picks for tonight's game. But first, before we do that, we're going to get into a little matchup preview action, preview some of the games that are piquing our interest uh, from the fantasy perspective and just the real-life perspective. First game we're going to dive into is the Cincinnati Bengals against the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite based on the line on our betting sheet. And the over-under is 48. All right. We're going to look first at Cincy. Um, I'm going to turn this over to you, Daryl. What are your thoughts on Cincy coming into this game after the win against the Dolphins? Yeah, they have played a bunch of kind of ugly games this year. Like, none of their games did they come out there and they just, like, looked like from beginning to end that they were just, you know, Big Brother and um, no, no offense, uh, any of the uh, in any of the other uh, <laughs> in any other team that they play, um, you know, it, it, they haven't put like a a whistle to whistle, just dominating performance together. But that was kind of their mo last year, and they made it to the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, I guess every team doesn't have to uh, doesn't have to have that. You know, Alabama or a Georgia type feel to them. But right. as far as as far as this game with Baltimore goes, you know, I'll just dive right into this stuff, man. I think their passing attack should be okay. Probably more than okay. Baltimore is not particularly great at um at stopping the passing game, at least from a fantasy perspective. So so long as this ankle injury that T. Higgins has been dealing with is minor as has been reported. He's a go. Jamar's a go. Burrow, I kind of like as a low-end QB1. And the boy, Hayden Hurst, who's been playing not so bad lately, you can you can certainly do worse than Hayden as a, as a tight end option. So I kind of like what I'm seeing, um, on paper anyway, from Cincinnati, from a fantasy perspective, from, from their offense. Now, Mixon... This isn't exactly a get-right spot for him because, you know, Baltimore's run defense, it's not it's not great, but it's not terrible either. And the Cincinnati 
run offense is just they just haven't put it together so far th- this year with their their low bottom half and you know in in most any kind of efficiency metric that you want to look at so i don't see this as being the game where Mixon gets it turned around but by the same token he has all the usage indicators that you look for there's no way you're going to sit his opportunity on your bench unless your roster is just filthy so um you know you you got to play him out of obligation but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as an RB2 finish, or at the very least, he gives you just another one of those squeaking into the RB1 conversation type performances. Um, what, what what about you? How, how Cincinnati coming off in your mind? They're actually coming off very similar to uh, what you said there. Uh, quick notes on Burrow. He picked apart the Ravens last year. Um, yeah, two games and you know that was a game that jamar chase just had that i can't remember if it was a slant or just an in route he caught it whoop spun to the house so uh i'm expecting oh, yeah, good yeah, yeah. yeah i'm expecting good things for uh since he's passing game here in regards to mixing my man's getting the touches man it's just been inefficient i believe he only has one touchdown on the season and you know at some point the touchdown numbers got to come. I'm not saying that's going to happen in this game, but you know, you're still got to, you still got to put Mixon out there. Um, probably be a lower tier RB one, probably upper tier RB two this week. As far as the pass catchers, I don't have much to say on them, but of course this monitor T Higgins situation. I thought it was a knee. It could be ankle. It's something with the lower extremities though. Yeah. Everything I've seen says ankle. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's that's kind of my thoughts on the Cincy side. Let's uh, let's flip over to Baltimore. Um, they're the favorite in this game, of course. What are your thoughts here? They're coming off that loss against Buffalo. Um, yeah, and that's you know that's two losses that Baltimore had so far this year where they were up double digits. I think going into the fourth quarter on both um, them and mm-hmm. my. Um, against Buffalo and against Miami. And then they, they gave up the ghosts and uh, weren't able to finish the games off. And, you know, just like in a broad overview sense, that does not bode well for their playoff, uh, for their playoff chances and for how this season is supposed to be going for them. They let two slip through their fingers and they're in a, they're in a tough division in a tough conference. So this could be something that comes back to bite them in the ass. But as for the fantasy, um, the fantasy side of this matchup against the Bengals, you always play Lamar and Mark Andrews. That's just that, that's the law. You know, you get kicked <laughs> yep. out of fantasy leagues if you sit them. But I'm not really excited about the rest of that pass catching core. Um, Rashad Bateman is dealing with some kind of midfoot situation. Fingers crossed it's not a list Frank type of thing that's gonna that's gonna derail his season. But, you know, they haven't ruled him out yet, um, as of this recording, which is um, you know, Thursday Thursday, Thursday. evening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he hasn't been ruled out, but he has not practiced this week. And if he's out, I'm not really interested in Duvernay or Isaiah Likely or any any of those guys really because well, I'll talk about Isaiah Likely because we haven't 
he looked good in the preseason, and there was a lot of steam being gathered around him during the preseason, but he hasn't got much run uh, so now that the season has started. And with Duvernay, he's kind of been on that um, CEH-type production with, um, you know, j- just in the sense that he's been scoring touchdowns and putting up a decent putting up decent points, but his underlying usage metrics don't don't back that up. So, you know, I think that's kind of built on a house of cards as far as his production goes. Now, it could just be a thing where he manages to walk that tightrope all year, but I wouldn't be eager to shove him into into my lineup with with Bateman being out. There's just it's just a very thin play to my mind. Um, and now for you know for the Baltimore running game, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because Cincinnati their run defense is is pretty okay. You know it's not it's not elite elite, but it's it's you know top ten, top eleven, top twelve ish type of type of defense. So you know, people aren't just running hog wild on them, at least from, you know, efficiency metrics and by um and by PFF grading. That they've been they've been a pretty pretty solid run defense. And so like when you look at Baltimore, it's like, well, how's that gonna play out? Well, Justice Hill has been dealing with an injury and he's turning towards not playing. Gus Edwards is just coming off of IR. But according to some comments that Harbaugh made, it's not looking like they're going to bring him back um, to, you know, they're not going to bring him and put him on the active roster for his first week back. And that leaves Mike, uh, Mike Davis and JK Dobbins. So with what JK Dobbins showed last week, I think he should get the lion's share of that work. And even if it's not a smash, smash, um, matchup going up against Cincinnati for him. If he gets a decent bit of work, especially with, with Bateman being out and they're going to, they're going to need some, um, they're going to need some offensive firepower. He, he, he's got a good chance to put up some decent numbers, some RB two, um, maybe low end RB one type numbers. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too scared to put Dobbins in as my RB two, um, in a, in a fantasy lineup this week, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy with that because he he certainly has some upside there. Um, that's pretty much all I got on the Baltimore side of things. Uh, what, what say you, little bro? Yeah, for me, it's just a couple of quick notes um, regarding Lamar Jackson. Since he has the fifth best, um, I guess, giving up the fifth least amount of points against quarterbacks this season, I mean, of course, that's not going to stop you from starting Lamar, but you also have to look at the quarterbacks they played against. Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Tua slash the Teddy Two Gloves. So we we really about to see what Cincy's defense is about. (laughs) You're getting that dual threat in Lamar against you. So, yeah, you're still firing up no, no matter what. Uh, Dobbins saw uptick in snaps this week against Buffalo. And of course he came through with you with two touchdowns. I'm in step with you as a RB two play. Um, the previous week I was think I was saying that, you know, I was iffy on him, but he, you know, shut my mouth on that with two tutties. So that fixes that. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned Duvernay. 
currently on PFF, they have him as the 59th rank wide receiver this week. If Bateman was out, would you start him over a guy like Tyler Boyd, who on PFF is wide receiver 48? So basically right at a wide receiver four. Um, no, no, I wouldn't, you know, and, and even though we gave Higgins and Chase, you know, some big ups and they have a chance to blow up against this Baltimore defense. So does, so does Tyler Boyd. He's, and he's made some big plays now in two consecutive games as that, um, as that third option, uh, well, that third wide receiver option in that offense. So he has, you know, I, I think he has just as good a chance to get into the end zone. Um, well, let me not say that. Let me not say that. I'd say I'd like his usage, even with Bateman being out, I'd like Boyd's usage in that Cincinnati offense more than more than I would like Duvernay's. Because we just – Duvernay has just been scoring or nothing. You know, it's, it's basically like, um, right. like throwing a tight end in there. So I, I just – I couldn't bring myself to do it, but you know, if if you have your if you have your roster set up to where you can afford to uh, you can afford to go for a home run swing on a guy like Duvernay, or if you are like a severe underdog and you need some upside plays um, to kind of throw some variance into your lineup, maybe you know maybe may, maybe throw him in there, or like as a DFS contrarian play, maybe throw him in there, but. Outside of man, I, I I just couldn't do it over Boyd. No, fair enough. And I'll close out with uh, Mark Andrews. Last year, again, last year is different than this year. But last year against his team, he had eleven catches, one hundred and seventy-three yards, and a touchdown in two games. So, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's he's on perma wheels up to me. So you know. I, <laughs> I'm right there. I'm right there with you there. All right. So next we're going to look at Philly versus Arizona. This game is taking place out in the desert where the road team Eagles are coming in as a five-point favorite. This is um, this is according to what we have on our bet sheet. And those, those lines went in, what, on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week? Yeah, Tuesday. On Tuesday of this week, okay. And the over-under as of that time was at 49 and a half points. And just, I, I checked these today, and yeah, it's still holding at Philly minus five. Over-under has moved down a tick to 49. So, um, so yeah, Philly on the road in Arizona as favorites. Uh, what, what do you think of the fantasy landscape there of uh, of those Eagles? Those Eagles... Fire them up. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. Fire them up. <laughs> I'll start first yeah. with uh, Miles Sanders. As I mentioned on the last pod, he had or he's having about 18 opportunities a game this year. Or, yeah, a game this year. So when you have a running back getting 18 opportunities in this offense against an Arizona defense, that's not anything too special, at least from what I've seen. You got to fire him up, even though Arizona has only had 68 rushing attempts that they face themselves. Uh, I still think you fire Miles Sanders up here. 
in regards to Dallas Goddard, Arizona is the team that has given up the most points to the tight end position in fantasy. Here's who they faced. Travis Kelsey, 8 for 121 in a touchdown. Darren Waller, 6 for 50 in a touchdown. The leading target getter with the Rams, Tyler Higby, 4 for 61. And even Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble. Baker was able to get him three for 34 on six targets. You know, that's not a great production, if you will, but 6.4 points is kind of a floor that you can see in this game for Dallas Goddard. So fire him up. Um, A.J. Brown, I'm not going to spend any time talking on him. You start him, forget about it. And then Devontae Smith, a.k.a. Mr. Yo-Yo, he's kind of showing you this season that – He's going to give you a, a bare minimum floor or he's going to give you a nice little ceiling. But take this. Arizona uh, defensive backs are graded bottom 15 per PFF. I'm going to lean that he hits a wide, wide receiver two performance in this week. What are your thoughts on Philly? Um, so in my notes here, it just says the Philly pass attack should eat. And I have eat underlined four times. And I think uh, it's only underlined four times because my pen ran out of ink. Um, <laughs> like I'm really, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get Eagles into my lineup. Um, Jalen Hurts is a no-brainer. You, he's on that Lamar tier, that Josh Allen tier. You just set it and forget it as far as starting him. Same thing like you said with AJ. Um, Devontae, I think he has a very, very good chance of, of blowing up again. Um this Arizona, this Arizona secondary, like you mentioned, is they have not been performing well this year, and it's the kind of thing where a secondary receiver, you know, if AJ is going to get the attention, Devontae is going to eat. If Devontae is going to get the attention, AJ is going to eat. And I think there's enough food to go to go around as well. Um, and as you said with Goddard, you know, one. You probably don't have a better option on your roster, and two, he's really set up to he's really set up to smash. I think he'd be a good DFS play this week for for sure. He might be a little chalky. I don't know. I'm not um, I'm not skilled out here in these DFS streets, but um, but but yeah, I, I think he's he has a chance to finish as you know as a top five tight end this week for sure. As long as Kelsey and Andrews are still out there, it's hard to say anybody has a chance to finish tight end one, but. You know, um, Goddard certainly has a chance to be right in line behind behind those two gods. Um, Miles Sanders, I think he's a definite in your lineup after what you saw last week. As you also as you look at how his usage profile is just trending up and up and up. Um, you know, there's nothing really to fear in this um, in this Arizona pass defense. They rank. 25th in EPA per play on first and second down. So, you know, that just shows you know, you can run the ball against them to start off your a, a given series and they're going to give up the ghost for you. And they have a, t- they can, uh, you can also eke out some big plays against them as well on the ground. So I, th- I think that Miles Sanders will be a, a good play. I think he has a strong chance to finish as a running back one um, this, this week. Um, so yeah, I am just the whole Philly offense is a go to me. Um, 
how I'm trying to imagine a time when that's not going to be the when that's not going to be the case, given the way their schedule is starting to line up. But you know, well, this week is this week. We'll we'll, we'll just think of this week. So yeah, um, load them up in the chamber and fire them. Let, let, let the dogs loose as far as that Philly offense goes. Um, all right, let's flip over to the Cardinals fantasy of the what. How are they looking to you? How Arizona's looking to me, you're going to fire up Kyler Murray, James Conner, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz for sure. Starting with Kyler Murray, he leads the league in pass attempts currently, which I did not know. I was just doing some research and just came across that. But he's still only QB8 overall. So that just blew my mind to lead the league in passing you have this rushing upside, but you're only QB eight overall. I mean, it's a QB one, but man, there's there's some inefficiency or something going on here um, in this offense. But nevertheless, you're going to go ahead and start Kyler Murray. Um, looking at the Eagles defense with that, they have four players with double digit pressures per PFF. So Kyler may be running for his life in, who knows? That may end up in some fantasy goodness for him. Flipping over to James Conner, I have him at about a mid-tier RB2 coming into this week. Um, and that's purely because of the volume play that he's going to get. He's been leading this backfield in, in touches for sure. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but we know that he is doing that. The only thing about that is that Philly has had running backs in Rikers. Of course, outside of week one when uh, when they got ran wild against and Jamal Williams had two touchdowns, DeAndre Swift had a touchdown. But look at these numbers here. Dalvin Cook, six rushes, 17 yards. Lock up. Antonio Gibson, 12 for 38. He did get a touchdown. That's still a lock up. Travis Etienne, James Robinson had 51 yards total rushing between the two of them. So... I think Philly defense here can have James Conner locked up, but because of the amount of opportunities he can get, he still has a floor here that should have him as RB2. One note about that, about the running backs, though, is that J.D. McKissick, um, Dalvin Cook, and Alexander Madison each did have three receptions, though, or more. So, again, there's a floor play there for James Conner. And you, I guess you can add in um, Jamal Agnew because he came out the backfield uh, for those two touchdowns in that Jacksonville-Philly game as well. Um, other than that, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, these are guys you're going to fire up. Um, they're de- they definitely have solid floors because they're pretty much the main guys that Kyler is throwing to. And with that, I'm going to turn that over to you, Daryl. What are your thoughts on Arizona? Well, I'll get – I'll, I'll get into the fantasy part of it in a second, but you raised some interesting points about Kyler and, you know, I, doing some research, looking into this. So the Cardinals have the 14th ranked, um, 14th ranked passing offense in EPA per play on first and second down. Their passing offense is rated 18th by PFF. Their pass blocking is rated 7th by PFF. Wow. And I okay. found that to be... I find that to be pretty interesting because for their offense to basically be for their passing offense to be middle tier, but then to have the seventh rated 
pass blocking unit, I think that means one of one of two things. Like either Kyler's just not seeing it as far as what's going on with uh, with, with the offense, or that receiving core is just not giving him anything to work with. And Ooh, okay. you know, he's he's having a you know he he's sitting there, he's getting that good protection, but it's like nobody open, coach. So um, <laughs> I. I, I, I just thought that that was kind of interesting. I tend to think it's probably a little bit of both because I think Kyler kind of leans towards that Russell Wilson gets to the top of his drop and pat the ball a few times before letting it go kind of kind of thing. You know, it's I've been – I finally have Kyler on a fantasy team after all these years he's been in the league, so I've been paying more attention to their games. And it's just – this is just me speaking anecdotally. You know, it's – I'm sure there are stats to back this up. But it's rare that I've seen him drop back, hit the top of his drop, and bang, balls out. Um, you know, unless it's like on a screen pass or some or, or something like that. Um, so I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting. That's something to kind of look for, like from a football, a football filmy, watchy guy type of type of perspective. But as it relates to fantasy, I think that passing offense is going to struggle. Um, I, I really do, but it's Kyler Murray. He's he's one of those Konami code quarterbacks. I even with this bad Philly matchup, I wouldn't go scouring the um, scouring the waiver wire to find another option because Kyler has so many outs for how he can he can get you to a quarterback one finish in a week between his legs. Um, Maybe they play well from jump against all the odds. Maybe they end up in a um, in a losing game script and they just have to pass their way out of it, which I think is probably the most likely thing. But, you know, Kyler gives you a lot of outs to, uh, to, to get a quarterback one finish. So I'm not going to um, – I'm, I'm not recommending to sit – why would I say I'm not recommending to sit him instead of saying I recommend playing him? <laughs> so, so, yeah, Kyler, Kyler's a play for me, but – as always, I don't think it's going to look great. I, I, I don't think it's going to look great. You just want the numbers on the paper to to be big at the end of the game. Um. So yeah, what I have yeah, looking like a garbage time special. I will still roll with with Hollywood just because of the opportunity. Um, right. That's pretty well. That's pretty much. That's going to be the same refrain for for all of their skill players who I would start. You know. Hollywood rolling with because of opportunity. Um, Zach Ertz rolling with because of opportunity. And just just some quick notes on Ertz. Uh, since week one, he's seen he's run no fewer than eighty seven percent of the routes, and he's had Ooh. no lower than a nineteen percent target share. That is that's elite usage for a tight end. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's he's quietly or maybe not so quietly. Um, working his way into, you know, a set it and forget it tight end, you know, at, at least to this point in the pre-D-hop days of, of of this season. So, right. yeah, I would – I'd run Ertz out there pretty comfortably. And James Conner, same refrain again. You're going to play his opportunity because his uses are solid and – Snaps, routes, targets, goal line usage, um, passing situations. You know, 
he's getting the lion's share of all of that work in the Arizona offense. And so if he's not going to get you there on the ground, he has an opportunity to get you there in the passing game this week if they get down into uh, into the red zone, into goal, goal line situations. He gets that work. So he has a lot of avenues to to get you a good a good finish as well. So I like him I like him as a middle to upper end running back too. And if things break right, um, I could definitely see him let me I wouldn't be shocked to see him with an RB one finish uh this week. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got on them there, Cardinals. For sure, man. Well, let's get into our last matchup we're going to preview here. The Las Vegas Raiders, one and three, going against the Kansas City Chiefs at three and one. Kansas City, per our sheet, is a seven and a half point favorite with the over under at 51 points. So we're in one of those quote unquote juicy AFC West matchups. Let's go ahead and start with the Las Vegas side. Uh, go ahead, give me the spill. What do you think? What do you think of them this game? Uh, passing game wise, they have they still have not looked good this year. Luckily, you know they're they're facing Casey, and Casey's pass defense is they're upper middle of the road, so it's not like they're coming in and uh, and playing some some top of the mountain, you know, like 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 Philly's defense. Or, uh, or Philly's pass defense, you know, it's not like that. So, you know, they'll they'll get their chances. Things should be kind of okay for Devontae. He should be started, I think, with with no worries. And I think this could be a potential um, a potential smash spot for him. Um, again, because well, let me not say again, but because the KC defense, it's not a it's not a lights out pass defense. And we all know that Devontae gets them targets. So I, I think he could uh, he could end up in a smash spot this week. This could be a good right spot, a good get right spot for Darren Waller as as well. Um, the, the Chiefs, I believe they, they're somewhere in the top 10 as far as um, points allowed to tight ends. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this could be a spot where Darren Waller can turn his season around. Although just when we were coming in to do this recording, he popped up on on the injury report as a limited participant in Thursday's practice. So you know we'll just have to keep an eye on that. And if you are relying on him, you may need to get ready to pivot to someone else. And if that happens to happen to you, um, I send you many blessings because it's really thin out there on those um, tight end waiver wire streets. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as David Carr, he's he's interesting. He is PFF's 26th rated quarterback so far this year, so not off. He's not off to a, a great start, not off to the kind of start that fantasy fantasy managers were hoping, given that they had they imported what one of the I'll be safe and say one of the five best receivers in football to to that offense and. We haven't seen it bear fruit for David Carr as a fantasy producer, but the Chiefs give up the Hold six on, let me, points. Let me stop you. You said it twice. Yeah. Is Derek Carr, man? 
Derek. Oh wow. Yeah, you you keep giving you keep giving the old Texan legend a shout yeah. out. Not a legend though. Well, he's he's a legend for not quitting football. Um <laughs> God <laughs> dang, man. Given given the state of those teams. Man, that that's a whole other conversation we could have. But yeah, those early Texans days. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> Derek Carr, I'm sorry. I think he has a path for a sneaky backdoor QB1 uh, finish because the Chiefs are giving up the six most points to quarterbacks. So he's another one of those guys. I think he has a lot of outs towards getting there as a QB1. His receiving – well, I, I don't know yet if Hunter Renfro is going to be back, but his receiving core between Waller and um, – between Waller and Devontae – and the way Mac Hollins has been playing lately, not a bad receiving core, especially when you got an anchor as quality as Devontae Adams. And then you have the whole trailing game script aspect where they could just be forced to start uh, airing the ball out some. You know, he's he doesn't have the he doesn't have the rushing upside that some of the other quarterbacks do, but just from a pure passing perspective, there's kind of an outside chance that he could get you a QB one finish. So um in a pinch I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to starting him in several leagues in several managed leagues that I've that I'm in he hit the waiver wires this week and so you know if you find yourself in a lurch you know maybe maybe check your own waiver wires and it would that that wouldn't be a bad pickup if you have um if you have if you have worse options uh on your roster as for the running uh the running game Josh Jacobs had a coming out party last week, and yes, his usage his usage was beyond elite. It was beyond elite. It was the kind of usage that lends itself to being um, game script proof. You know, whether mm-hmm. neutral, losing, or trailing. If what we saw out of his usage last week is to be believed, this guy's a workhorse, and. If you look at what else is on their roster, you know, this is no shade to Zamir White. This is no shade to uh, Brandon, Bolden, Brandon Bolden, but Josh Jacobs is just the best running back on that on that roster. And, you know, he should – I would think rational coaching would say, you keep that dude out there unless he needs a breather. That's, that's, that's basically it. You know, not, you don't have another weapon in that running back room that's going to bring to the game what he's bringing. And Josh McDaniels had some high praise for him at the end of last week's game, calling him one of the best rushers that he's uh, that he's ever been around. So, you know, if he can carry those good vibes into this matchup against Kansas City, and if he truly has reached that elite that elite level of usage where it doesn't matter the game script, um, you're you're looking at a guy who I would who I would rank as an RB1 on the week. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's that that's the way I'm rolling with it this week as far as uh as far as Josh Jacobs goes. Um any rebuttal to that or if if not then well any rebuttal and or you know go ahead and launch into your uh Raiders spiel as well. No, no, no. No rebuttal on that. A big difference that we've seen with Josh Jacobs between uh, week one, well, week one and week two versus week three and week four 
Week one and week two, he had two targets combined. The past two weeks, he's wow. had 11 targets. So they've involved him more. Yeah, they've involved him more yeah, the, in the passing game the past two weeks. Um, 10 catches. It's like that way they stepped up um, Derrick Henry's um, passing game usage in Tennessee. Yeah, it's, it's that same kind of evolution. Maybe that's going on for Josh Jacobs. Right. So, I mean, 10 catches, 62 yards, that's that's a great output for a two-game sample of a running back, and that makes a difference when it comes to looking at a guy between an RB2 and RB1 status. Um, so that's my note on, on Jacobs. At the wide receivers, two notes. Hunter Renfro did log a full practice today, so that would lead me to believe that he'll be ready oh, for yeah. the game. Oh, and yeah. Then, Devontae Adams, he currently has, let me see, 47 targets on the season. So the on-pace guy says that's 199.75 targets he's on pace for this year. So dang near 200 is, targets. Is that good? I don't, yeah. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> I think that's good. I don't think he's necessarily going to hit that, but that's the current pace. And that's that's pretty much all I had on Vegas, man. You touched on it pretty good there. Let's flip the page to Kansas City coming in over a good win over Tampa Bay. What are your thoughts here on them? Yeah, they looked, you know, and we I think we we talked about this in the podcast we did on Tuesday, but just to reiterate, they looked that offense looked damn good against Tampa Bay. They they got whatever they wanted in the one interception that Mahomes threw was just Mahomes trying to uh it, it was like a heat check kind of thing that uh, that that he had going there, but as for this game against Casey, I think Mahomes is going to feast. You know, I said the same thing about Russell Westbrook. Not Russell Westbrook. Wow, Russell Wilson. I, I'm sorry. I, I watched a Lakers preseason game last night. Lakers so on the mind. Yeah, I said the same thing about Russell Wilson last week and. Relative to Russell's previous production, he really came through last week, and Mahomes is playing at a much, much higher level coming into this game against this Raider defense. So I think he's going to go off, you know, potential QB1 on the week type of finish. And that's, that's, not some, uh, that's not some bold prediction for Patrick Mahomes that, you know, he could finish as the QB1 on the week. But just so it's said, that's certainly in his range of outcomes. Um, th- this week against against this Las Vegas defense. They are, and to just throw some numbers at it, the Raiders are 29th in passing EPA per play on first and second down. Their coverage unit ranks 24th according to PPF. Their pass rush ranks, ninth, ranks 19th according to, P- to PFF. So, you know, there's, the scene is set. The scene is set for him for, for Mahomes to come in and just just be magical. So, um, yeah, that's – you were going to start him anyway, but, you know, be looking for something for something special from him this week. As far as that receiving core, oh, they um, – I don't <laughs> – This man said, oh, they – oh, I no. I don't know. <laughs> You know, Mahomes said it coming into the year, you know, 
it's going to each game will be a different will be a chance for a different guy to step up kind of thing. That's not his exact quote, but it was the gist of it. And that's kind of proven, proven out. Juju, you know, he's Juju and MVS have been on the field the most. They're both, um, I believe they're both over 80% of routes run um, through, through their first four games. So, you know, as far as who's going to be out there, it's those two. Um, I would say, you know, MVS, MVS has some sneaky blow-up potential here because, like I said earlier, the the Raiders are pretty low on an EPA per play basis, and as far as the rankings go, which means they can be they are susceptible to giving up big plays. And the big play guy in the Kansas City offense is MVS, so he's one of those guys I can see is like a a, a sneaky. DF, I say sneaky DFS play. Is this is a this is a night game, isn't it? This is Monday night. Yeah, it's this Monday night game. Okay, okay. So I think he'd be a decent play in showdown for sure. Um, you could throw him into your flex if you if you're in a position where you need a boom or bust. This would be as good a time as any to put. I think to put uh, to put a chip on MVS to 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 go off. So. That's really it in their receiver core. I don't. I haven't seen enough out of Miko and out of Sky Moore to risk putting them in in a lineup. They very well could have a big player too between the two of them. But as far as as far as usage goes, I, I just couldn't justify playing them. And running back, oh goodness, Ceh again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's just hard. It's hard to go away from him, you know, given how efficient he's been on a on a points per touch basis. You know, the guy, the guy just keeps showing up on 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 the stat sheet as far as you know touchdowns go. Eventually, that has to that has to regress. You would think anyway. And the Raiders are a pretty solid run defense. Um, they're, they're second in EPA per play on first and second down and PFF has them ranked 12th, um, as, as a run defense unit. So maybe this could be the week where the CES, the CEH house of cards, um, falls down. It'd be hard to bet against that though, given, given what he's been doing. I... I, I just throw my hands up on, on, on this guy, man. He's just running so pure right now. I, if he were on my roster, I'd have a hard time sitting him. But I also would be of the mindset where I couldn't be shocked if it all came crashing down. So it's I would hate starting, if, if you will. So that's that, that's where I am on, um, on the Kansas City Mahomes. Um, what, what about you? What you got on it? Uh, I'll go two things on this pretty much. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the wide receivers. Both of them to me are kind of just wide receiver fours right now. And it's like, you're playing them for an upside play. Maybe it's their week. Neither one of them have had just a blow up week. And I'm talking about Juju and MVS, but you can't drop Juju right now. MVS probably 
is on your waiver wire, just depending on, on your league. But I would be fine with picking up MVS later on because, you know, bye weeks are coming into play. That's my first note. My second note, CH, Melvin Gordon, Ramon J. Stevenson. Who are you starting at your RB2? CEH, Melvin Gordon, Ramondre. Um, well, oh, the Patriots have a have a very good matchup uh, this week. They play in Detroit, right? Yeah, they're playing Detroit. I believe it's at home for them. Yeah, um, I think Ramondre. See, here's the thing, right? Let's throw Melvin Gordon out. Uh, Melvin Gordon is is the last one. If we're doing that f Mary kill thing, like he's the <laughs> oh, he's the he's the last one. Oh, um, man. So it comes down to Ceh and Ramondre to me. Ramondre has the underlying usage metrics that say he's the better play, especially given. Um, especially given the matchup, right? Like Detroit is terrible against the run and Ramondre's usage statistics have been going up and up and up in all the key categories. As a matter of fact, I think Ramondre and Damian Harris are in position to smash this week uh, for, for for the Patriots. Like I, I like the both of them. I think one of them is going to show up and have a smash RB1 kind of day, but it's the Patriots, so it's hard to... Um, it's hard to predict, you know, exactly who that'll be. I would lean Ramondre just because he's been getting more usage and their usage has been going up. But I could totally see um, Damian Harris having a two touchdown, um, two touchdown, 60, 70, 80 yard kind of day. Um, so I guess I'll answer that question this way. The process says to play Ramondre. That's so that's what I would, that's what I would go with. I'm, I think I tend to skew as a process over results kind of dude. And the process would tell me to play Ramondre over over CEH. That's a good problem to have, though, I would say, if, if you were in such a situation. Yeah, I asked that because I have that exact situation, and that's where I leaned. <laughs> so <laughs> appreciate okay. you. All right. So that's going to wrap up our matchups. We're going to recap real quickly. On our segment from last week, I can do that. And it's basically a segment where um, it was a buy or sell kind of a category, if you will, where we looked at three players and we looked at their matchup and we said, hey, can they do X, Y, Z? So first player was Mr. Ariar God himself, Chris Olave. Top 12 finish. Could he do it against the Vikings? We both said he can't do that, and we were right. He was a wide receiver, seventeen. There was actually opportunity. Oh no, I said for... he could do that. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Do. You did yeah. say he can do that. You're right. Yeah. And he barely, he barely missed it. Wide receiver, seventeen per PFF. And he had opportunity. He had opportunities to get there too, but it just didn't prevail. Um, any yeah. thoughts on on that on this performance? Well, yeah, you know, my, my prediction was wrong, not by a whole lot, but it, it, it was wrong. But I guess the, the larger point in talking about Olave is it appears that the case is he is the truth. 
Um, the the kid is good, man. The kid is is really good, and he's more than just running out, running um, running go routes as well. You know, he he has he has a nice little arsenal um, on him as far as routes he can run and get open, and he can mm-hmm. go up high point catches. You know, he can route dudes up. He's he's a he's a solid receiver, and I you know. I think that things are going to get better for him when Mike Thomas gets back and Landry was back last week, but you could tell he wasn't all the way healthy, or at least I, or at least I thought I could, but you know, again, who, who the hell am I on to tell about such things? But I think, yeah, when they have their full complement of weapons, I think he could be even more deadly because that offense has the weapons to, to kill you in all areas of the field, you know, with, um, with Kamara yeah. in the backfield, you know, he's he's due to come back. Um Thomas and Landry work in the middle of the field. Olave working deep, occasionally working middle as well. You know, they can if if they can get some level headed quarterback play, then I think that they have a they have a real good chance to be a, a special offense this year. Um we're not gonna get into the whole should it be Jameis? Should it be Andy Dalton of it yeah, all? No. But, uh, but yeah, no, thank you. Get some good level-headed quarterback play. I think this offense can can be converge on elite, and I think Alave can 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 really do a lot, a lot of damage this year. Well said, my brother. Let's fly through these last two. We had Austin Eckler. Could he do a top five performance against Houston? We both said he can do that. Finish as RB one on the week. <laughs> uh, three touchdowns, two rushing, and one in the air. I believe is that correct? But yeah, so. just just demolished Houston. Uh, barely got by on the win, but he performed. And then finally, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Could they finish as top 24 wide receivers on the week against um, Detroit? They had did it the previous week against Atlanta. We both said they won't do that, but they did do it. Metcalf finished they as did. wide receiver seven, and Tyler Lockett barely got in there as wide receiver 23. That gives Tyler Lockett the last three games. He's been a top 24 wide receiver, so... My man, uh, my man said, "New quarterback, who this?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I guess I think that's just you know further solidifying that that Geno has been very much for real this year. You know, was was that two straight weeks that he supported two top twenty four uh, receivers? Did, didn't he do it in week three as well? Yeah, yeah, he did it against Atlanta. Yeah, that's man. This Seattle. The Seattle offense, this is, you know, it, we didn't get, we're really, um, we're, we're not going to talk about that game this week, but they play, um, oh man, who does, who does Seattle have this week? It's, it's somebody. Nolens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They, they have New Orleans and like in New Orleans and, and this is the kind of game they, they can go in there and win that, you know, especially if they can do that on Geno's back. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at the comeback player of the year. I, well, 
come come back. You know, he did play last season, but there's got to be some kind of award out there for um for for what Geno's doing if he's able to keep on this pace. But yes, sir. That was our that was our recap of I can do that. Absolutely, and we'll have that segment again, uh, maybe next week or some other weeks here, but. Because we want to talk about these, this next topic, we're going to forego that. Next topic, we're looking at the top 24 wide receivers and top 12 tight ends on the season. Again, we're about 30% through the fantasy regular season. So it's just a good time to see the state of things, see what players are where, and also paying attention to those that aren't in this top 24 and seeing, you know, if there are opportunities for them to improve if, if you will we'll start with the first 12 wide receivers cooper cup at number one surprise surprise stefan mm-hmm. diggs at number two tyreek hill number three justin jefferson at four jalen waddle at five at six we have marquise brown seven we have the sun god aka amin ross st brown uh, and number eight is Devontae Adams. Per PFF, uh, Amon Ron and Devontae are tied at seven. So um, at number nine, we have A.J. Brown. Ten, Christian Kirk. Eleven, Jamar Chase. And at 12, we got Debo. Mm. So that's the top 12. Darrell, I'm going to kick this to you. Let's start with who surprised you being here in the top 12, or at least the spot they're at. Right. Mm. Several names on this list. Um, Tyreek isn't a surprise, but being as high as he is, that's that's a surprise because, you know, there were just questions about yeah. is that offense going to air it out? You're leaving Mahomes, you're going to Tatua, who, you know, a lot of people accuse of having a pop gun arm kind of thing. Jalen Waddle. Also a surprise because Tyreek is coming in and is that going to, you know, blunt his target share to where, you know, he it's just not possible for him to put up the the kind of numbers that would get him into the top 12. So those two being able to be this productive within the same offense, that's that's out of this world. You know, it would. My, you know, if you told me that, my guess would be that Tua would be like a top, a top five quarterback right now. Where was he rated? We just did this earlier. Um, yeah, he was right at twelve. But you also have to keep right. in mind he missed half of a game as well. So, sure, yeah, that's right, that's right. So you know, that's that right there. You know, especially Waddle of the two. You know, Reek. It's um, it wasn't. It was unexpected. It's it's more unexpected than it is like a shock or 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 surprise. Waddle is a true shock and surprise to to me. Um, as is Marquise Brown. Um, just because you know we before D Hop was scheduled to come back, you know, everybody thought everybody knew that. Well, everybody knew. Everybody thought whatever. I was gonna say before I'll talk about I'll talk for myself. Before D Hop came back, like I fully expected Marquise to get a good solid target share, but not not to be able to turn that into being a top six wide receiver. 
thus far throughout the throughout the year. So like that's that's a bit of a surprise to me as well. And Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk sitting at sitting at number ten. Um you know that that contract and that money that he got to go to Jacksonville, that was the cause of a lot of uh, a lot of ridicule, both from fantasy analysts and you know, I'm not some super plugged in insider, but just from some of the reading that I did, you know, other GMs uh, throughout the league were mad at the Jaguars for giving Christian Kirk that money because that raised the bar on wide receiver pay, number one. And then number two, because it's Christian Kirk getting that money, when wide receivers who have performed better thus far throughout their career are going to come to the table asking for money, they're going to be like, Christian Kirk is getting this? You you got to give me, you got to give me my back if Christian Kirk is going to get this. So, you know, there was, there was a lot of expectation that that was going to end up being kind of a flock, a flock, a flop contract um, put on him. And aside from this game against the Eagles, which again, you know, it's that Eagles secondary, the kid has shown up and shown out. You know, he's, th- this isn't like some gimmicky kind of stuff too. Like he's out there winning routes, winning contested catches, you know, and, and doing things that we kind of saw him do in Arizona, but he's really taken it to a new level uh, with uh, under Doug Peterson. So, so yeah, those are, those are my ones. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I took, um, maybe I took kind of the easy uh, top of the list, shocking ones, but um, let let me throw it to you and see, see what you got to say on that. Yeah, my my opinion on this, um, the the two you you mentioned, Marquise Brown, I think this was kind of the ceiling I had in my head of what he would be with D Hop gone, which is being a wide receiver one, and he's been a target hog man. He has forty five targets on the season, that's good for third, right behind Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. So wow. it's. It's what I it's what I expected with the with DeAndre being out for his ceiling. So it's somewhat it's not really that much of a surprise because I felt it was within his realm of outcomes. Probably the biggest surprise would be Christian Kirk. I did not expect him to be getting kind of the target share that he was getting. And then he already has three touchdowns through four games. So there's a possibility he could be sitting with double digit touchdowns by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he's um Nothing he's done to to me. Nothing Christian Kirk has done like seems seems fluky or unsustainable or anything like that either. You know, it's it's the kind of thing where you know if he stays, if he's able to stay healthy, and you know Trevor Lawrence able to stay healthy and whatnot, um, they keep rolling out this offense that they have right now. Um, I've I, I fully expect him to keep up this kind of level of, of production. Like this all, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm right there with you on that. Um, is there what about in the uh, what about in the second half of the top twenty-four? I'll, I'll list these names out and we'll we'll get you to speaking on them. So in number thirteen, we got Curtis Samuel, Cortland then Cortland Sutton, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, 
Chris Olave at 17, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, Garrett Wilson at number 20, Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams, Amari Cooper, and at number 24, we got Josh Reynolds. He plays receiver for Detroit. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> what, what's um, what, what do you think about that half of the top 24? What's jumping out at you? As a reminder, these rankings are based off of PFF, so these guys could potentially be in different order depending on your league settings and what your league gives points for. I mean, I could go on the air god himself, but we've talked about him a lot. I'm actually going to go here with C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb was a guy that you were drafting as a wide receiver one territory, so between 1 through 12, but he's sitting here at wide receiver 15. But I'm actually encouraged with what he's done so far, uh, specifically because he's getting a huge target share, double-digit targets in all games except the last one against Washington. And even in that game, he gave you 97 and a touchdown. To me, he's the guy I'm looking at. Um, when Dak comes back, he's going to trickle over to that wide receiver one area for sure. The other guy that I'll point out here is DK Metcalf. He was a guy that a good amount of analysis and even people themselves were down on. Um, and here he is, week four, sitting at wide receiver 19. And him and Tyler Lockett are both on this side. And it's like, I'm, I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going anywhere. Bad boy. Can't uh -huh. stop. <laughs> Won't stop. <laughs> but um, also Josh Reynolds, I mean – he, he's not going to be here. <laughs> he's not going to be here uh, soon enough, but I'm going to turn it over to you. Who do you want to highlight or touch upon? Okay. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. Um, so put Josh Reynolds aside. Who is your, who's your most likely to get kicked out of this top 24? Um, I guess on, on the second half of the list, like aside from Josh Reynolds, who, who you think is, most likely, you know, swimming above their their head right now or playing above their head, whatever that saying is. Man, I almost want to say Curtis Samuel, but that boy is out there on the field all the time. <laughs> so it's it's hard to say it's hard to say him because of that and and they're looking his way and getting him involved in that offense. But if I'm going to have to pick one guy I'll pick Tyler Lockett and I, and I hate doubting him like that. He's had three, like I said, wide receiver two finishes these past three weeks, but yeah, the rest of these guys just have the talent pro. I mean, Tyler Lockett has it too, but the rest of these guys have the talent profile and I think have additional upside as compared to Tyler Lockett. Right. Of course, okay. excluding Josh Reynolds, but what about yourself? Well, um, as far as names that are on the second half of the top 24 that shock me, um, Garrett Wilson is, is up there for, for me because coming into the year, the common wisdom was that Elijah Moore was going to keep building off of what he had going last year, number one. And number two, it's the Jets' offense. So, you know, if they are going to 
if that Jets offense is going to produce a top 24 wide receiver coming into the year, you think it's got to be Elijah Moore. So for Garrett Wilson to have done what he's done to get uh, to get himself here, that's a bit of a surprise to me. Um, but that's a that's one of those um, pleasant surprises, or you know, I didn't expect. Well, I'll say this guy is higher than what I thought he'd be. As far as um, as far as guys who were lower than what they than what I thought they'd be. Um, well, yeah, you you already you already kind of spoke to 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 CD, and he's actually encouraging. You know, most everybody else seems kind of right in line. You know, I don't – this side of the list doesn't seem, you know, too shocking. You know, this porridge is too hot, this porridge is too cold kind of thing. Um, This – a lot of this seems just right to to me, especially given what we've seen so far. I mean, we could always whip out the old ADP – from the beginning of the year, but um, but yeah, maybe maybe I would say um, who's playing a little bit above their head. I would probably have to agree to agree with you, um, with 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 Tyler Lockett. I think a lot of that is, you know, and I don't think Tyler Lockett's bad or or anything like that. But I don't see Seattle being in too many more situations where they're going to be in games with a combined thousand yards of offense, you know? So, and that I think Tyler will only slip down into wide receiver three t- territory, but, you know, to, to finish the other 17 minus four is 13 games of the year. <laughs> um, for, if, you know, if Tyler is able to stay up there um, in the top 24, I'd be very, very surprised at that. Um, but yeah, just all in all, just just one real thing. What one other real quick thing? Jamar Chase at sitting at number eleven. Is he finishing higher or lower than that by year's end? You know, assuming health and all that. Oof. I mean, you consider T. Higgins is still. I mean, he's still there, of course. I'm going to go higher. And the reason why I'll go higher is because he can have such high ceiling games that it can elevate him from a finishing at season points wise. I'm, I think there's still going to be these games where, you know, he's going to finish as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, but he can have that ceiling game that can elevate him past his current rating or ranking of where he's at now. So, I'm going to say higher. What about you? All right. Yeah, I would say higher. And if if I'm going to put him higher, then I suppose that means somebody has to get kicked out. And I think uh, I think Marquise Brown is most likely to drop, um, j- just for no other reason than than uh, D Hop is is coming back shortly. Um, I've, I've I love Marquise Brown. I, I loved him when he was uh, when he was with Baltimore. I've, you know, <laughs> I don't like watching Arizona play, but I still, you know, with him as a target hog, 
he's coming up big. He he actually needs some help. But I think the help he's going to get with um, with with D Hop coming back, you know, that's that's going to be some big boy help that I think is going to boot him out of the top ten. So um, yeah, I, I think those two eventually end up swapping places. But um, yeah, yeah, we could probably talk wide receivers forever. But um, let, let's go ahead and get into tight ends and the interest of not talking these fine people's ears off about these receivers. For sure. Right before we do that, I just want to give you the note of Drake London was tied at 25 with Corey Davis. Um, Another rookie, Jahan Dotson, was at 32. And then one last note, one guy that I think will move up and probably be top 24 is Michael Pittman Jr. He missed the game, and he's sitting at wide receiver 35 right now. Okay. I could co-sign up. Let's get into tight ends. So I'm going to run through these 12 here, and we'll just discuss them all together. Tight end one, Travis Kelsey. Surprise, surprise. Tight end two, Mark Andrews. Surprise, surprise. Number three, TJ Hawkinson. Number four, Zach Ertz. At five, we got Tyler Higby. Six, we got Gerald Everett. Seven, Pat Firemuth. Eight, Tyler Conklin. Nine, Dallas Goddard. 10, we have David Njoku. 11, Will Disley, a.k.a. Big Montana. And rounding out the top 12, we have Darren Waller. Ooh, so um, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to turn it over to you, and let's see where do you want to hit first on this, and then I'll have a follow-up question. Okay. Well, the thing that jumps out um, instantly to me is – Darren Waller just barely holding on to a tight end one spot coming in ranked 12th. That's, that, that's number one. And I'll say this much. I've, I've watched, uh, I've watched the last three Raiders games and Waller has just kind of been right there, like right on the edge of either big receptions, you know, for, for lots of yards or, um, or touchdowns that, that didn't go his way. Um, I think he, he dropped a couple touchdowns one week. Um, he got in, he gained like a couple pass interferences. Um, you know, Derek Carr skied a couple of, of deep shots to him. So he's, I still have faith that Waller will make it if he's, if he's, you know, able to stay healthy. I have faith that he'll make his way up this list. But to see him sitting at number 12 through these first four weeks, that that's that's kind of shocking to me. And then nothing else, though, really shocks me because as long as Kelsey and Andrews are one and two, literally anything else that plays out, just about anything else that plays out for those other 10 spots, it's tight end. It doesn't surprise me, you know, could – Tyler Higby finished the year as tight end five. Why the hell not? It's tight end. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it really, it really doesn't matter. And that was, that was kind of the draft strategy coming into the year, right? If, if you're not able to get Kelsey or Andrews, you kind of sort of punt on tight end unless 
Waller and Kittle become a oh shoot I just talked I just mentioned the name unless Waller or Kittle become a value I guess yeah <laughs> another thing that uh, George Kittle George Kittle being like not on this list you know if, the reasons why he's not on the list uh, he was injured for the first two weeks of the year I want to say and then Same he comes yeah and then he comes back and. That offensive line ends up needing help because um, I always forget the dude's name. Trent Williams? Yeah, Trent Williams. Yeah, Trent Williams, are all-world left tackle, goes down. So Kittle ends up becoming a little bit more of a blocker. And then you have the whole um, Jimmy G's back at quarterback. And, you know, that was never really that great a thing for – Kittle with having Jimmy G back there. He was, he was sometimey, uh, he was sometimey on the production with Jimmy G as quarterback. And so, you know, with Trey Lance back there, you didn't know what was going to happen with Trey Lance back there, but it just brought a little bit of hope that maybe Kittle could return to his, um, to, to his, you know, to that steady production type, type thing, as opposed to being a boomer bust tight end. So, yeah, those are the, those are my like bullet point in a nutshell thoughts on on this on this list. How about how about yourself, bro? So I'll, I'll have three points here that I'll mention, and then I'll have a question for you. So first note I had is that all these tight ends in the top twelve, each of them have had at least one top five performance as a tight end per PFF except Pat Fryermuth and Dallas Goddard. And point number two, Will Disley has three top eight performances. And most of that, all that has to do with him scoring touchdowns. And then no tight end has had a top 12 performance in all four weeks per PFF. And that is, and the exclusion to that is Travis Kelsey and um, Zach Ertz. So wait, you're saying Zach Ertz has been top twelve every week? Sorry, I misspoke on that. He, Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz barely missed that cut. Um, okay. So Travis Kelsey had a, in week two he had a number thirteen finish, and in week one Zach Ertz had a thirteen finish. But other than that, no. I mean, other than that, no one has come close to having a top twelve performance in every week. That's interesting. Right. It's interesting because for Fryermuth and Dallas Goddard to be where they are, number seven and number nine, respectively, but they haven't had a top five finish, means they've been they've been fairly consistent, though, to, right. um, to, to end up where they are. And, yeah, Ertz being at tight end four, again, nothing, nothing is shocking, but, you know, it's one of those things that maybe, maybe you don't realize yet. Maybe, maybe you haven't caught wind of yet, and maybe go put out some feelers for trading for Zach Ertz. Um, you know, depending on how you feel, his target share will be impacted when D Hop comes back. You know, he he could yeah. he could be he could actually be in the same bucket as Marquise, and you know, we expect this production to go down once D Hop comes back, but. Um, 
Zach Ertz was pretty decent last year when, when he got traded to um, to Arizona when he was healthy anyway. So, um, yeah, wow. Okay, that's that's some interesting little little factoids. Yeah, and to add on with Goddard and Fryermuth, I think a lot of what's carrying them is that they're second and third in 20-plus yard receptions at the tight end position. Dallas Goddard has six of them. He's tied with Travis Kelsey. And then Pat, Pat Fryermuth has five 20-plus um, reception, 20-plus yard receptions. So I think that's right. what's kind of helping carrying them there. Uh, to right. the, to okay. the question I have for you, um, you see the top five here, and I, I think it's kind of obvious which one probably won't be there. But I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you this: from this top five, who do you think won't be there, and then who do you think can replace or be in there? And obviously, if you don't, then you don't. <laughs> right. Well, we just hit on we just hit on Ertz. I think he's a good candidate to be. Um, knocked out of the top five just because of the target share that I believe D-Hop is going to command once he gets back. Um, I think that makes Ertz a good a good candidate to be booted from there. Um, and then, well, TJ Hawkinson sitting at number three. That's that's pretty glaring as well. Yep. And that that really happened to, to my mind. That happened. You know, it was a perfect storm kind of thing where Sun God was out in a game against Seattle, as was um as was DeAndre Swift. So, you know, two pretty significant pass catchers in that Detroit offense missed a game against a very, very exceedingly poor pass defense. And so, you know, Hawkinson was the lone man, uh the lone man standing in that game and the the guy took advantage of it that that's for sure and I'm not I'm not fading his talent or anything like that you know I think the guy is good he he he's a good tight end but one he's not like terribly terribly explosive as far as you know he catches the ball in the open field and turns upfield and gets more yards he's he's more of a catch and fall kind of guy number one and number two like two absolute target hogs will be returning to that offense so. Um, so yeah, I, I think the, yeah, I, I think that makes for a strong recipe for getting him out the paint as far as uh top five goes as well. What, 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 was he the one that was on your mind too? Yeah, it was, it was both of them, but more so Zach Ertz simply because again, D hop returning and that target share being arranged and just real quickly, let's say you, you think one of those two are out. Who do you think gets into the top five? I think Goddard makes his way up into the top five um, just because he's he, he's been very, very consistent. And I think he only has one touchdown this year, maybe two. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a consistent touchdown um, pro- producer. And he's, you know, he's a part of the explosive part of the Philadelphia offense. And right. Philadelphia just has so many weapons. It just becomes a you can't guard everybody kind of thing. And so Goddard, I think Goddard is going to have plenty of chances to eat. Um, you know, Friar Muth would be right there 
in that um in in that same kind of boat like the case I just made for Dallas Goddard could be made for Pat Firemuth if a few things were different one if if that quarterback situation were completely shored up I think Kenny Pickett will do some good things but I don't think he'll get to where Hurts is this year and that and then that Pittsburgh offensive line kind of kind of thing um but yeah Pittsburgh has has a very similar situation. They got weapons all over the field to where, you know, it's going to create some chances for that tight end to get open. Now it's just going to be a matter of keeping the quarterback clean for long enough to actually make that happen. Got you. Yeah, I, I like both of those picks there. Um, and and the, I think Najoku has some upside to get there too, but – then you have to wonder about how it'll look once Deshaun gets in there and if it'll still be kind of that same kind of targets coming his way. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, we'll put a bow on that. Let's get into the last segment, get into a little DBB, a.k.a. the Brothers Battle. Uh, today, we're just going to go ahead and give our pick for the Thursday game, flipping to our betting sheet. We have, of course, the Colts are in Denver. The sheet has Denver as a three and a half point favorite and an over under at 43 and a half. So, Daryl, what are you thinking about this game? Where are you, where are you going for your bet? Oh, man. So we have to do spread, right? I can't just take Denver on the money line, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Got to do the spread. And the spread is what again? Tell me one more time. I just want to make sure I heard it. It's three and a half. That damn hook. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, well, look, I, like we talked about earlier, I just, I just hate having to make picks on this, uh, on this indie team, but I'm going to go ahead and take Denver to cover the three and a half. I think they, I think defensively, they should be able to throw a wrench in what Indy wants to do, especially with um, Jonathan Taylor being out. And I think that, um, I think that Russell Wilson is able to continue to, to build on what they started last week in the in the Raiders game. You know, they weren't. You can't say that offense is all the way back and clicking, but I think it looked. It looked better than it had in the previous three games, and I think the Indy offers them a chance to um, to to build on that because that Indy pass defense is 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 nothing to fear. You know, it's actually something to salivate over because they 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 look like food. So I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take Denver to cover the three and a half. All right. Sorry on that quick delay. I was marking your bed in the sheet. Um, I'm actually going with, yeah, I'm actually going to go with the under here. Um, this thing has been bet down to as low as I've seen at 41 and a half. So I'm just going to take the value with the um, two and a half points there <laughs> that it uh, got bet down to and um, go with the under. Both of these teams pretty much um, kind of play at a crawl. Colts are 17th in neutral pace. Denver's at 24th. Um, 
I don't know if this will be necessarily the Russell Wilson breakout game, but, you know, both of these teams are missing their quote-unquote RB1. So there's a possibility it could lean into the passing game and there could be some points, but I'm going to lean into it won't be that and um, just take the value of what I have at 43 and go with the under. 43 and a half, rather. So we rooting for points tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Rooting for points and uh, I guess Denver to run up the score, if you will. So, (sighs) All right, man. Anything else uh, you got? No, man. No, it's – I say it every week, but – I'm just looking forward to, to to this week, seeing what new things, uh, seeing what new things we learned, and seeing if the stuff we learned leading up to this week, if we if we put it into uh, if we put it to proper use and picks that we make and uh, fantasy players that we that we tout. So, yeah, let's let, let's get these results in and and get us some good football. Absolutely. And we had a tough pick between the Colts and uh, the Broncos today. Well, guess guess what we have next Thursday? <laughs> the Commanders versus the Bears. Lovely. Oh man, <laughs> they really doing that? They really doing Amazon dirty, huh? They are, man. I'm sure it get it'll get better <laughs> along the way. But let's go ahead, get out of here, man. This is Derek, my brother Daryl. Um, hit us up on the brothers ff at gmail.com. That's D A brothers ff at gmail.com. We'll see you later. Enjoy some football tonight. Peace.